Hello, everybody. Welcome to a bonus Break the Glass in Case of Emergency episode of Hummus Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. We will be talking exclusively about LSU firing Ed Orgeron, getting the old Chiswick treatment two seasons, not even two full seasons, after he wins the 2019 National Championship at LSU. Orgeron is on his way out after this season is over. He will remain with the Tigers uh, until the end of the regular season, and I guess coach a bowl if they even make it to one. But um, yeah, that'll be it for Coach O, and the LSU coaching search starts uh, yesterday. So uh, sit back, enjoy, and we'll get the bonus episode underway shortly. Thomas Jackson, beautiful podcast from Denver. So I didn't think we would be seeing anyone get fired any sooner than Chiswick did after he won the 2010 national title with Cam Newton at Auburn. Uh, he, of course, coached two full seasons after that 2010 season and got let go after the 2012 Iron Bowl. Uh, but yeah, Coach Orgeron got fired after week seven of season two following the Natty. So that is uh, certainly the soonest that I can ever recall. Um, it. It just it's crazy how fast things can change. But um, yeah, it's been only 21 months since they hoisted the college football playoff trophy there in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. And LSU is going to look totally different than it did then. Uh, it kind of already does. But we'll quickly kind of go over a little recap of his tenure at LSU and then talk about what led to him being dismissed on and off of the field. Um, this story that there's been, I'm recording this at 5.30 Mountain Time on Monday evening, and I've done quite a bit of reading and trying to get prepped for this podcast ever since he got let, let go yesterday morning. Um, there's been a lot of stuff come out about mostly his off-the-field behavior um, that definitely <laughs> affected stuff on the field. Uh, when things, by the time things were all said and done, that were uh, entertaining to read, definitely some head scratcher stuff, um, and some more serious stuff that isn't very new in regard to the Title IX thing. But yeah, some pretty uh, juicy stories coming out of Baton Rouge, and I imagine we're only hearing the beginning of it. But anyway, uh, back to his career recap. So he took over as an interim coach in 2016 after Les Miles was let go after that crazy LSU-Auburn game that Auburn won at the last second. Um, he, Orgeron finished that year 6-2, and two, so he's kind of known for being a really good interim coach because a lot of times on these, uh, on these teams who have their head coach fired, if your interim coach can just get the team to rally together, uh, sometimes there can be a surge and, you know, or drawn if you're a player for him, he can be a great rah-rah guy. Um, he did the same thing at USC, but unlike USC, LSU actually decided to keep him on staff and hire him as their full-time head coach after he went six and two as an interim. He improved every single year until he reached the top of the mountain in 2019. So in 2017, he posted a nine and three record in 2018. He went ten and four in 2019. Of course, fifteen and zero, and then that's when things obviously took a turn for the worst. Um, you know, the 2019 season was one of those things where everything worked out perfectly for them. 
They, for the most part, just steamrolled through their schedule. Uh, they didn't have very many close games at all that year. Um, they had, of course, Joe Burrow, the transfer from Ohio State, who won the Heisman Trophy. They had two incredible uh, coordinators on that staff, and Dave Aranda on the defense and uh, Joe Brady on the offense that were both, you know, really just, I mean, that's the last time that they're ever going to be a college assistant in their career, at least for the foreseeable future, because it looks like they both have head coaching roles lined up. Um, Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator for the Panthers now, but he is kind of a popular name in NFL, NFL circles for head coaching openings, and Dave Aranda is already a head coach at Baylor. They both got poached off after that 2019 undefeated season, as your coordinators generally do after a national championship year, especially one that good. Um, so... There was just obviously they lost Burrow after that year and a slew of other NFL players on that team. Um, And it was just a lot of turnover that a few programs in the country have to deal with basically every single year. Not quite to that degree, but pretty damn close to it consistently. Um, But if you're not used to having to reload, uh, you know, to a magnitude like that, then it can cause some serious problems within the program. Um, and that's just on the field. But the after the 2019 National Championship, this is when people inside and close to the program say that things started to change a lot culture-wise and just in Orgeron's personal life as a whole. In addition to losing all of that talent and his two um, extremely talented coordinators on the field, he got a divorce to his wife of 23 years just six weeks after they won that national championship they had several players opt out of the 2020 season uh, such as Jamar Chase who ended up being a top 10 maybe even a top five draft pick in last year's NFL draft to the Bengals and then their records in the following two and a half or one and a half sorry uh, seasons kind of reflect this culture change and it got really bad in Baton Rouge when you lose all that talent, lose some coaches, and things aren't running as smoothly as they used to when it comes to the intangibles. So they posted a 5-5 and record in 2020 in the COVID-shortened season. And so far in 2021, they have uh, posted a 4-3 and record where it seems like every single week since the season kicked off, LSU has just had more opt-outs and injuries and just weirdness surrounding the program. Uh, I mean, many of their star players are sidelined for the rest of the year, and I'm sure some of them are legitimately hurt and require surgery, but it's to a degree where you wonder if some of them are just kind of banged up and they're just trying to protect themselves for the NFL draft. Um, In other words, maybe they just checked out on Ordron. So when it comes to... On the field stuff, I think he will be remembered as a solid coach who led one of and constructed one of the you know great college football teams of all time. Um, but he was not able to sustain that success. Certainly not up to LSU's standard. Um, he was a good recruiter that had a very strange personality that really only fit well at LSU and I don't think would really hit home at anywhere else in the country. Uh, He was 
born and raised in Louisiana and he's, you know, 101% Cajun. And I mean, you all know what he's like. Uh, that really resonates with people. A lot of people love him and some people not so much. Um, Earlier, early in his career, he kind of came off as that lovable, funny Cajun guy with the, you know, bulldogish voice and, you know, energetic and temper tantrums and stuff. And he was an entertaining figure for those to watch. He didn't really have a dog in the fight. Um, but this kind of, you know, funny Cajun guy persona went slowly downhill when more and more off the field issues arose as time went on. Um, so a lot of these following points that I'm going to make about his off the field behavior that, uh, you know, I think, I don't think the off the field behavior caused him to lose this job because I think if he would have kept winning at a very high clip on the field, they would have just put up with it and swept a bunch of this weird stuff under the rug. However, when, you start losing a bunch of games, all the off the field stuff is amplified. Um, and I think that some of this off the field behavior we're about to discuss contributed to the results on the field uh, going downhill after the national championship. So um, I'm going to hit on a bunch of points. A lot of this is coming from uh, Brody Miller's article on The Athletic. He is their LSU reporter, and it gave a really good look at um, just a lot of the issues that, you know, caused LSU administration to start to be ready to let him go. And then especially when the winds started to slip away, it made their decision that much easier and is you know, part of the reason why he the they pulled the trigger so soon after lifting the the trophy. So, like I briefly mentioned before, he got divorced six weeks after winning the national championship. Don't really know the cause of this. Don't really care. I mean, that's a personal thing. And as far as I know, he hasn't really talked too much about that publicly. So we'll let that be that. But he was married to his wife for 23 years. And then that soon after the national championship, they get the divorce. Um, after that, he really went pretty wild with his uh, <laughs> pursuit of women as a single man. Of course, he was on top of the world in this, you know, kind of 2020, 2021 uh, time frame after he won the national championship, he got a huge contract extension, and you know the guy probably felt invincible. Um, after this, after the divorce, there were photos of him in bed with women who were looked much much younger, and LSU players said that this was a distraction because they, they felt like his priorities were not what they were before the divorce and the national championship. Um, from Miller's article, he said, Brody Miller said he lost track of who he was. Um, and then I've got a couple paragraphs here that I'm going to read about one particular story that was extraordinarily strange for a public figure that was as famous as him. Uh, so Miller said, it created messes for him. Like the time Orgeron pulled up to a woman at a gas station wearing exercise attire. 
Orgeron said, hey, you like you look like you work out, he said, according to multiple so- sources. We could work out together. The woman informed Orgeron that she was married and pregnant, to which he responded, why does that matter? <laughs> that woman was the wife of a high-ranking LSU official. Word of this reached the LSU Board of Supervisors, the collection of prominent Louisiana attorneys and business owners appointed by the governor who make the most important decisions at LSU. And of course, it reached LSU athletic director, Scott Woodward. So not only was he hitting on women, random women, at the gas station, he also decided to pick the random woman who was a wife of a high-ranking LSU official. So you have to imagine, <laughs> once word trickled up the chain of command of this, he was, he, you know, probably made permanent enemies. I don't know when this was, and it would be really entertaining to find out when it was because, you know, if this was a long time ago, then he's probably had people from within trying to bring him down for a long time now. A long time, I mean, you know, a year-ish plus, but uh, still, it's a long time for an LSU official to have knowledge of something like that happening than having to watch him coach your school's football team for the next however many games. Maybe it was very recently. Uh, I don't know. Um, In addition to the gas station fiasco, sources have said that Orgeron would bring his lady friends and sometimes even their kids to practice to kind of show them his whole operation, I guess, and probably try to score brownie points with the women for bringing their little little children to practice. And he would even let the kids participate in drills with the LSU football team while practice was going on. So you can imagine, I mean, not that they had tons of guys left over, especially this season from the 2019 year, but there have to be, you know, there are some players that were freshmen, sophomores, back then who saw LSU and Orgeron's operation when it was, you know, rolling at its highest, who compare what was happening that season to what's happening now. And, you know, like the anonymous player said, it's very clear that the priorities have shifted here. And he is, you know, he seems far more interested in his social matters than he does focusing on football like he did before they hoisted the trophy where, you know, everything I've read suggests that like, you know, most coaches that get to that mountaintop football was, you know, his, his life. So, uh, definitely took his foot off the gas, put his energy towards other things. And, uh, you know, you can imagine how players who saw both sides of that, or even the young players that started, in 2020 or 2021 who just heard stories from the older guys about what it used to be like probably had a very hard time staying committed themselves and dedicating all of their time and energy that they should have been to that football program. Hence probably some of the shitty on field results. Moving on to uh, definitely the most serious matter we'll discuss on this podcast. Um, LSU is under a Title IX investigation right now, and I don't have too much on this because it's kind of old news, but it it came back up briefly uh, when he was let go yesterday. But there are two different instances of people accusing Orgeron of knowing about his players committing sexual assault and or rape. 
and not doing anything about it. He has not been proven guilty on this and obviously denies knowing anything about any of this um, and, you know, keeping it under the rug for his football players. But you can draw your own conclusions on that. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it is worth noting that that has been, you know, an actual legal issue the school is having to deal with where he has been tied up in it. So that doesn't do anything to help his case, whether he's guilty or not. You know, the fact that he's been accused just kind of adds on to this list of uh, issues with him and his administration. He had political political comments that fractured his locker room uh, soon after that national championship. Orgeron went on Fox News and said that he loved President Trump. Uh, he poorly handled a racial inequality protest when his players wanted to march uh, doing a peaceful protest of racial inequality after the death of George Floyd. They invited Orgeron to walk with them, and he declined. He later, I guess, did end up uh, doing something with them to, I think, probably just cover his ass because uh, he denied uh, he denied to the first time when they originally marched. So you can imagine, no matter what you think politically, you can see how that would cause some issues in the locker room. He's had a number of embarrassing interactions with fans. Uh, most recently, uh, week one at UCLA, he was walking into the stadium and getting heckled by UCLA fans. And he said, bring your ass on in your little sissy blue shirt before losing to UCLA 38-27. to and in addition to that, to kind of hop back over to on-the-field issues, uh, he had very, very poor uh, hires last year in their 2020 campaign, uh, the worst of it being Bo Pelini and Orgeron. After Pelini was fired, Orgeron uh, admitted to not even interviewing him. He had talked to Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll gave Orgeron his... Uh, endorsement for Bo Pelini and so Orgeron apparently I don't know if other assistants or staffers or interns interviewed Pelini for Orgeron or if he just hired him right off the bat but it was their worst defensive performance in program history and uh, their just overall record last year, which was mostly spurred by their poor defensive play was their worst record in 21 years so all of that uh, combined with being basically, you know, 500 ever since the national title ended the reign of Ed Orgeron. Like I said before, I believe that this off-the-field stuff made it easier for the LSU officials to let, it, let him go, and they probably... Um, you know, had a shorter leash with him than they would have if he had just been putting his head down and continuing to work hard. I don't think if all of the off-the-field stuff had not happened, I think he would still be the coach today, but I don't think he would make it through the end of the season. Um, but, you know, make no mistake about it, he was fired because he lost a bunch. And that's that, you know... Uh, quickly on a more biased personal rant on this whole thing. I mean, 
I've never cared for the guy being an LSU coach and everything. That's just part of the rivalry for me. Um, especially once all the Title IX stuff came out, I have been totally checked out on Orgeron. I don't even, you know, find his caveman, Cajun bit funny. Um, and I think other people just really brushed over that quickly because, you know, they did find him amusing, and a lot of the media loved to really just really build him up and act like he was just, you know, the coolest thing since sliced bread. Um, but I have been checked out on a while, and I think those opinions have been made pretty clear without getting too deep into the weeds on this podcast, mostly in the hot seat section, uh, segment over the past few weeks. So, you know, sayonara. I don't feel bad for him at all. He's, you know, getting paid $42 million or something to that to that caliber to not coach LSU anymore. And uh, I'm sure he'll continue to have a lot of fun with his personal life. And I hope we get some answers on the Title IX situation. So I hope all of the ESPN and other media members who acted like he was just king of the world after they beat Alabama in 2019 takes a hard look into all of these allegations and if they're not true then so be it but if they are he deserves to be ridiculed and persecuted for it so sayonara they had one great season but at the end of the day Ordron gets chiswicked so moving on uh, quickly, I'll just touch on a few candidates who I've read are possibilities to fill in this gap at LSU. Um, it's really hard to tell. It's weird how they're hard. You know, we're on week uh, week eight is coming up, and two of the premier jobs in the country at LSU and USC are basically already open even though you know LSU allowed Ordron to stick around for the next month and a half while USC did not um but the names that I've seen couple more flashy kind of offensive guys like Jimbo who every time there's been any speculation about the LSU job being open you know since Miles was there Jimbo's name has popped up. He was an assistant at LSU when Saban was the head coach. I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, I don't even know how that would work with his giant contract at A&M. But, you know, I mean, people were pretty down on down and out, starting to get down and out on him um, after their first few weeks until they went out, went beat Alabama. And now, of course, everybody's back on Jimbo. So I don't see that happening. I think he'll probably just write out his remaining years at A&M, but you never know. Uh, Lane Kiffin, of course, his name is going to pop up in every big coaching search now. That would be quite the uh, dramatic move going straight from an SEC West school to an SEC West school. I don't think there's any denying that LSU is a better job than Ole Miss. A lot more talent there. And, you know, clearly it's a place where you can win national championships, whereas Ole Miss, you really can't say that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That would be a that would be a very volatile uh, pairing between Lane and LSU. I'm sure he would have great success down there, but I don't know. I just have a hard time visualizing that one. Now, a couple names that are a little more kind of old school style coaches and Mel Tucker he of course 
has made his rounds in the SEC. He got the head coaching job at Colorado and then bolted pretty quickly for the Michigan State job. He took over a dumpster fire situation at Michigan State because of the, the timing of D'Antonio's uh, retirement. He basically had no time to recruit for a whole class, and he's turned them in. This is his second season, and Michigan State is undefeated and uh, playing really, really a lot better than anybody thought they would be. There's Billy Napier at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. He, of course, was an assistant at Alabama before he took over that job, and he's going to be a pretty hot you know, coaching candidate name for any decently big job that opens up. He's done a great job there at Louisiana, and uh, with it being in-state, it's definitely a possibility. And I didn't see this in any of the articles that I read, which I am surprised, but my dad was texting me about the uh, firing of Orgeron, and he mentioned Dave Aranda, who also took over a dumpster fire situation at Baylor in 2020 and has the Bears absolutely rolling right now. And, you know, they've obviously got history that we talked about there with him at LSU, and I think that would be a great hire as well. So... Uh, I guess we'll, you know, you can probably expect an announcement to be made a couple days after the regular season uh, ends, just because it's not going to happen in the middle of the season. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I got on this. So this is going to come out here shortly on Monday night, and then I'm going to have an episode, the normal podcast releasing on Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. So thanks, everybody. Um, for listening to the bonus Break the Glass in Case of Emergency episode, Coach Orgeron gets chiseled. Go Tiger. Uh, wow, I just, <laughs> I don't really look at my phone when I'm recording, and I'm glad I just did. This was great timing, unlike the last time this happened with Clay Helton, but Washington State just fired their coach, Nick Rolovic, I believe is how it's pronounced. I don't even know. Uh... Coach Rolovic decided he was not going to get vaccinated, and I guess Washington has pretty strict protocols um, when it comes to, I'm sure, state employees having the vaccine. And let's see here. I'm reading through this article as I'm recording. Yeah, this is an athletic uh, article by Bruce Feldman. It says that Washington state employees had to be vaccinated or approved for an exemption by today, Monday. And uh, I guess there was no vaccine or exemption granted for the Washington State head coach. So he and all of his unvaccinated assistant coaches, I got a notification earlier that he had to miss practice because he was still holding out. And now he and all of his unvaccinated assistant coaches have been fired with cause by Washington State University. Not that uh, that really requires its own podcast, but hey, we're already doing a, a firing podcast, so that's our little cap on it. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back on Tuesday night for the normal weekly pod. Bye-bye.